0: Welcome to the Real Estate Guys radio program. What is real estate really worth? Well, if you think the dollar is falling and that might continue, you gotta think a little differently about what you acquire and where. Today, we'll talk about using real assets to hedge against a falling dollar on the Real Estate Guys radio program.
1: Choosing the right market is one of the most important decisions you need to make as a real estate investor. You're looking for infrastructure, diverse and durable industry, and the right kind of jobs. So let's see if you can spot this market. It's home to more than 80 accredited universities, a federal reserve bank and more than 1200 multinational companies. Need some more hints? It's one of the top 10 MSAs and is home to 10 Fortune 500 companies including UPS, Coca-Cola, NCR and Home Depot. Still stumped? It's third on the list of most energy star buildings in the US, has the second tallest hotel in the Western Hemisphere and it boasts the world's busiest airport. Did you guess Atlanta? you're right and there's so much more to discover about atlanta including the specific neighborhoods where fully rehabbed houses cash flow like crazy yet sell to investors for far less than a hundred thousand dollars so come take a look join the real estate guys investor field trip to atlanta georgia for all the details visit realestateguysradio.com and click on events experience this incredible market for yourself and hang out with the real estate guys go to realestateguysradio.com and click on events
0: Are you achieving everything you want in life? What if there was a time-tested way to ensure that 2014 is your best year yet? The most successful people in life set goals and keep themselves accountable. But how? The good news is that it's not rocket science. You too can learn the skills and unleash the motivation that will create success in your life. And now is the time. Hi, this is Robert Helms, and I'd like to personally invite you to attend Creating Your Future, the 2014 Goals Retreat, January 10th to 12th in beautiful San Diego, California. This unique weekend event has been called phenomenal, inspirational, and life-changing by the hundreds of people that have attended. Find out more at realestateguysradio.com and click events, or call 888-489-7723, extension 18, Get your life back on track physically, spiritually, and financially. Attend the 2014 Goals Retreat on the second weekend of the new year. Click events at realestateguysradio.com. This is no dress rehearsal. Live the life you were meant to. Visit realestateguysradio.com or call 888-489-7723, extension 18, today. Welcome to the Real Estate Guys Radio Program. I'm your host Robert Helms. Thanks for tuning into the program today. With me, as usual, co-host financial strategist Russell Gray. Hey, Robert, how's it going? Awesome. We are having a good time uh, looking at the economy and the fun that's happening, and politics and all that. It's it's kind of laughable, but but it's also you know instructional. There's so many things we can glean and we can. And, and and we can learn. And one of the big things we want to talk about today, and this is a big level concept, and I know we talk a lot about big level concepts. There's lots of practical stuff that you hear, and there's certainly a lot of other podcasts that have real tangible, real practical stuff, and you should be listening to all that. But as we look long term, our dollar, our medium of exchange is falling. It's falling out of favor. It's falling in value. And I don't know about you, but it's falling out of our pockets.
2: Well, <laughs> think of it as a foundation. If you're going to build a house, you have to build it on a foundation. If you don't, it's not going to stand. Yep. And our basic understanding of the economy, especially as Americans, right, we're so fixated on the dollar being the unit of measure. We denominate everything in dollars. What's our house worth? What's our stock worth? Time. Time is money. Time is money. What's our stock worth? What's my net worth, right? All that is denominated in dollars. And you know we had Steve Forbes on the show way back when, and Steve talked about this concept of when you begin to pervert the value of the unit of measure, how do you conduct business? And the example he gave was, what if you woke up every day and the number of minutes in an hour changed? Right. One day, an hour is worth 60 minutes. The next day, it's worth 70 minutes. The next day, it's worth 45 minutes how do you do anything? How do you schedule your work? How do you compensate your employees? How do you know how much productivity is in an hour? There's no way to measure because it becomes very complicated and you have to adjust on a daily basis. And so we've been able as Americans to just think in terms of dollars because the dollar was always basically pretty stable. But it's become less stable And we've actually prosecuted a strategy of lowering the value of the dollar to try to pump up our exports. And the net result of that has been that people have assets on their balance sheet that they think are worth more. But are they really? And that's really the concept of what is worth Is is value dollars or is value utility? And I'd make the argument that that in a marketplace like this where your unit of measure is being perverted a little bit, you have to begin to focus more on quantity and utility and not on dollars. Well, it's why as real estate investors,
0: when we get together, we talk about the number of doors we have more often than the number of dollars our holdings are worth, right? It's how much utility do you have? How many tenants do you provide housing for? To me, that's a better measure of how you're doing as a real estate investor than whatever paper money might be accumulating because that money has less and less value. Anyone that's gone to the grocery store, anyone that's gone to an event, anyone that's done any traveling knows that your dollar does not go as far today as it went last year or the year before or the year before that. Oh,
2: and they're getting sneaky about it too, right? I mean, you go in and you say, okay, I'm going to buy a box of cereal and it used to have 16 ounces of cereal and now has 14. And it's the same price. And what happened to the free price? But it's got less utility. Exactly. And so it comes back to the same notion. If I got a three-bedroom, two-bath house and it's $50,000, that's great. And if I have, you know, 10 years later, a $500,000 three-bedroom, two-bath house, am I richer? Not in house, right? not in utility, only in dollars. But if I were to sell that $500,000 house, could I go buy ten fifty $50,000 houses or could I buy 10 houses just like it? And the answer is no. Or back then when it
0: was $50,000, say that house was worth 10 cars at $5,000 each. Yeah. When the house is now worth $500,000, it's worth 10 cars at $50,000 each. And maybe they're nicer cars, but probably not. So we really
2: do get caught up in this. moment. My, my house has gone up in value. Has it really? Well, it depends on how you measure value. It's gone up in dollars. And so if your mission in life is to accumulate dollars, you know, then you're a saver, And then you might invest so that you can end up with a pile of dollars. The question is, is as that pile of dollars is sitting there, what is it doing? And you'd have to make the argument in an environment like this, it's declining in purchasing power. Your ability to later, and that's the key, later, time value of money, later convert that into something of utility, food, a place to live, medical care, Clothing, a vacation, whatever it is you want, your ability to convert that into those things diminishes over time because it takes more and more of that pile to buy the same goods and services. So my favorite example in this concept are real is I've become, when I was a kid, I was a coin collector. And so I've recently become re-enamored of that because I began to realize that stacking up dollars is not a smart thing to do. And so what are you going to do? you got to have a degree of liquidity. You have to do something, right? I'm not sure that I trust any currencies out there, but you could make arguments for other currencies besides the dollar. And clearly the world does come back to the dollar. And we have a unique status in the United States as a reserve currency of the world. We'll probably talk about that a sure little For now. Yeah, for now. I mean, it's ebbing away, and there's a, that's a whole different discussion. But here's the concept. If you were to go back, just Google this. Say, what's the price of a gallon of gas in 1964? And it's going to come back 25, 30 cents. So for basically a quarter in 1964, you could buy a gallon of gas. Well, in 1964, U.S. quarters were made out of 90% silver. So they're effectively silver coins. It changed in 1965. I remember I was a little kid. I was collecting coins back then and I noticed they changed because I could look at the side and I go, Oh, this side of this one is solid silver. And the one on this side on this one is half silver and half copper. And so I could see that I was now dealing with a plated copper. So I said, I just have a giant penny that's painted silver, but it was still worth. It. I could still go to, you know, down to the little five and dime store and buy my comic books or my candy bars or whatever. Right. But you fast forward now to 2010 or 2013, right? And you say, okay, now I'm going to take that 1965 quarter, the 1965 quarter, not the silver one. Will it buy me a gallon of gas today? Not even close. The answer is no. It'll pay 25 cents, like one one16th of a gallon of gas. But the 1964 quarter, which is made of something real, silver, I could take it. It's the melt value of a a U.S. quarter 1964 or earlier is basically $4. So I haven't lost any purchasing power in terms of that quarter in 1964. So I would have been smart to stack up in 1964 as many silver quarters as I could And if I had quarters that came into my possession in 1965, I'd hustle down to the bank and trade them in and try to get 1964 quarters. And, of course, anybody that follows this, I'm not telling you anything most people don't know, that's exactly what's happened. It's very rare to find any of those types of silver coins in circulation because people have hoarded them in an attempt to try to preserve their purchasing power. Well – Now, today, in 2013, you've got, you know, these little pieces of paper with dead presidents that we have that, that used to be redeemable for gold before 1971 when Nixon took us off the gold standard. Today, they're not redeemable for anything. They're except for whatever goods and services somebody would be willing to give you. And and the concept of inflation is that people are asking for more of those dollars in order to give you the same goods and services or for the same dollars are giving you less goods and services that by definition is an inflation that's why people who save dollars are losers to quote Robert Kiyosaki and you have to find a way to mitigate that and that little example of a 1964 quarter in a 1965 quarter is the difference if you would have stacked up a bunch of 1965 quarters today you wouldn't be sitting in that good of a position if you would have stacked up the 1964 quarter so what's the difference one was a token, the 1965 quarter, and one was a real asset, silver, the 1964 quarter.
0: It's the difference between investing in a real estate investment trust based on real estate and a piece of real estate. At some point, the REIT owns assets, but as soon as we get into derivatives and EFTs and mirrors and that whole thing, now we're looking at a very different reality than when I own the tangible asset. Any hard asset, we love real estate because it's a hard, tangible asset. It's not. The only one we've talked this year about oil and gas. We've talked a little about gold and silver. We'll talk more about that before we're done today. Other things that have actual value beyond the paper value.
2: So a few summits ago, we did this whole concept of exchanging, and it was fabulous because the notion was we are not going to denominate value in dollars. We're going to do business with each other, and we are going to trade value for value. What do you have that I want, or what do you have that I might be able to trade to somebody else? I've got something I don't want. And really, that's what it came down to. I've got something I don't want. So therefore, I'm going to go out in the marketplace and I'm going to try and trade it either for something I want or something that somebody else wants. Money evolved to meet that need to create a universal item everybody could trade for that everybody would want and could use to transport their value to the next person. Well, where- and
0: the transport, the convenience part. It was really hard to carry my cows over to exchange for eggs but if i had a medium of exchange that x number of these this medium was worth x number of eggs and x number of cows we could then have an exchange without having to move this stuff did you say medium or metium metium oh, yes meet-y-um. a medium of exchange all
2: right well i'm just trying to egg you on a little bit thank you
0: i got the yoke <laughs>
2: Someday, my vision is to one-up you on these things, but I always seem to come out on the losing end. That's why I'm only the co-host. Exactly. Anyway, I think that, you know, coming back to this notion of getting your mind around what's going on with the U.S. dollar, and that's really what we need to talk about. Because as Americans, we have learned to focus on the dollar as the unit of measure by which we measure value. And we're finding, as through the illustration, that that has not been a trustworthy unit of measure. It used to be if you made $2,000 a month, you were doing great. Today, that's poverty. If you made $100,000 a year, you were like elite. Today, that's still decent in a lot of parts of the world. But in some parts of the world, I mean, parts of the United States, uh, that's barely making a living. It's just not what it used to be. Dollars are not what they used to be. So it doesn't mean you don't want more of them, you do. You just need to make more of them even faster. But the bigger question is, is once you have them, how long do you want to hold on to them and how quickly do you want to get invested in something that's real and will retain its value in the face of a falling dollar? And we're gonna talk more about that, I'm sure, as we progress.
0: That is the big discussion today. If the dollar is gonna fall in true value, what does that mean to you as a real estate investor? And more importantly, what can you do about it? that's today's show you're tuned to the real estate guys radio program more when we come back i'm your host robert
3: helms live nationwide you're listening to the real estate guys find out more at realestateguysradio.com
0: the votes are in and this year's Investor summit at sea was a massive hit Summiters called it life-changing far beyond expectations which were very high and the best summit yet If you missed the boat this year, then make plans to join us in 2014. You'll spend an entire week with like-minded investors, world-class educators, and real-world professionals, and you'll have a blast. Join the Real Estate Guys for the 12th Annual Investor Summit. It all begins March 8, 2014 in Houston, Texas. Visit Real Estate Guys Radio and click the tab that says Summit to sign up for the Advanced Notice List. You'll get all the details the minute they get released so you can reserve your spot. Go to realestateguysradio.com and click Summit and make plans to spend a week with the Real Estate Guys and an All-Star faculty on the 12th annual Investor Summit at Sea. Live where you want to live, but invest where the numbers make sense. Even better, invest where you have a solid team to support you. We've been hearing great things about Memphis, Tennessee, and Terry Kerr from Mid South Homebuyers. Since 2002, Terry and his team have been delivering turnkey rental property solutions ideal for out-of-area real estate investors. So if you're looking for affordable, trouble-free turnkey investment property, call Terry. Use our resource hotline at 888-510-6838, extension 118. That's 888-510-6838, extension 118. Or find them in the resources area of our website at realestateguysradio.com. Hi, this is Donald Trump, and you're listening to The Real Estate Guys. Welcome back to the Real Estate Guys radio program, heard every weekend on this great radio station, all the time at realestateguysradio.com. And of course, many of you listening to the podcast version, thanks for that. We're talking today about investing in real assets to hedge against the declining dollar or any declining currency, really. We're in a world of all fiat currencies. There's no real money out there. So because of that, we've got to react differently and we've got to think differently. And then when we look at Forex and exchange what different currencies are worth against each other. Boy, that complicates it even more. And as a real estate investor, what you need is actionable items, not a lot of theory.
2: Yeah. So, you know, you think about that. First of all, it can get kind of complicated, but it's really not that complicated. So currency has really just become a commodity and it's priced based on supply and demand. And that's really important to understand, especially when it comes to the dollar, because the dollar has enjoyed a unique status of a worldwide demand that no other currency has. Just like
0: the idea that a medium of exchange is necessary to be able to trade goods and services, as different countries who have different currencies have had to figure out how to exchange, there's been the default, which has been the U.S. dollar.
2: Yeah, well, that happened in 1944 at the Bretton Woods Agreement. And Bretton Woods was about, the world was devastated from World War two, and they uh, broke, basically. The United States had the manufacturing capability, so we produced more items of value than anybody else, so we were the world's supplier. Number two is we had most of the gold in the world, because a lot of these other countries had borrowed from us. We were late in coming into the war, and even though we spent a ton of money on the war, we also financed a big chunk of it, and we ended up with a big pile of gold. And at that point in time in our history, dollars and gold were synonymous. Right. Right? Because you could come and you could turn in your dollar bill and you could get gold because it was just a coupon redeemable for real money. It wasn't deemed real money. The concept you mentioned earlier, Robert, fiat means by decree the government has said this is now legal tender. That's what a legal tender law, you pull out a greenback and look at it, it says this is legal tender for all purposes, all debts, public and private. When a government has to tell you that a piece of paper is Valuable, that usually is the first sign of a decline, right? They're saying, okay, you have to accept this under order of law. That's what a fiat currency is. So prior to 1944, the world settled its international trade in gold. So, you know, if I'm America and I'm trading with Japan or I'm trading with Britain or England or whatever, I'm going back and forth, right? And if the end of the year, the end of the trading period, uh, I owe money, then I have to deliver the gold. And if I'm owed money, then I get to collect the gold. So the currencies were just ways to facilitate the trade. But at the end of the day, you settled in gold. And that was a settlement. And so there were, you know, big exchanges and services and provided all this, and, and there were warehouses that held all the gold and all that stuff. And when everything got uncertain around the world, a lot of people would bring their gold and put it in the United States, which was considered the safest. That's how Germany ended up with, you know, 1,400 tons or whatever it is in New York under the Federal Reserve Building, which they asked for back recently, and we're told it would take seven years to return like a third of it. That's
0: because that building goes way, way, way down, and they have to go find it and bring it back up, and it's heavy. And-
2: yeah, something goes way down, but I'm not sure it's the building. But anyway, so you've got the world out there now saying that they wanted to try to find a way to settle their international trade, and they'd been doing it in gold. And for whatever reason, I won't get into the history of it because it's beside the point, at Bretton Woods, they agreed that instead of settling in gold, they would settle in the dollar. And the U.S. said, hey, but your dollar is as good as gold, and it's redeemable for gold. And that lasted from 1944 till 1971. Then on August 15, 1971, I think it was a Sunday night, Richard Nixon got on television And he told everybody that because of the massive speculation going on, it was assaulting the gold reserves of the United States and all these bad people out there, uh, we are going to now no longer redeem our dollars for gold. But don't worry. We're going to make sure that we hold the value of that dollar safe. So the U.S. became the reserve currency of the world in 1944 based on the concept that it was as good as gold. In 1971, Nixon reneged on that commitment. And we began printing money and we had inflation. Of course, we know what happened. It led up into what happened with Jimmy Carter and gold went from $35 an ounce when he Nixon did that. In less than 10 years, it was trading at $850 an ounce. So that's how far the dollar dropped. It took, it took that, what is that, 10, 20, 20, 30 times more dollars to buy the same ounce of gold in less than 10 years. And
0: again, what didn't happen is that the gold did not become more valuable except denominated in dollars. The utility of an ounce of gold was the same. Its net value was the same. The only thing that changed was the denomination. There were a lot more dollars because of the printing, what we would now call quantitative easing. And because of that, people had to pay more, exchange more of those paper dollars to get that ounce of gold. Right.
2: So the question is, is why did that happen? It happened because the United States was spending more money than they were bringing in. And so we flooded the world with all these dollars. And when people were coming back and redeeming them, the gold was going out and faster than it was coming in. And the net of that was we were broke. And so we finally had to just tell the world, blame it on somebody else. But, you know, we, we can't redeem in dollars. So... That created an issue. So the United States still continues to enjoy this reserve currency status, which means if I'm trading between two countries that are completely disrelated, so I'm Russia and I'm trading with China and I decide that I need to settle my currency, I have to go buy dollars in order to settle my trade, just like I would have to redeem in gold. Well, what's been happening, and this is a thing you have to pay attention to, again, as a real estate investor, it does come back down to earth, really it does, is that Back in 2010, Russia and China cut a deal. And the deal is we don't have to go through the dollar. And then a little while later, they cut a deal with Brazil. China did. China did. And they – well, actually, the next one to go was Japan. And then they cut a deal with Brazil. And then they cut a deal with Australia at the beginning of this year. And then they cut a deal with France a little bit later. And as we talked about last week on the show, China just cut a deal with the ECB, the European Central Bank. And the point is, is little by little by little, and it's actually not that little because these are mega economies and billions of dollars of trade. China, which is the second largest economy, and everybody predicts it's just a matter of two or three years before they eclipse the United States. And again, that's something new too, right? We have always been the world's economic superpower. So we've been the world's economic superpower and we've been the world's banker. Both of those things are now in jeopardy. And you have to say, well, so what does that mean to me? It means that those dollars that we've been able to push out to the rest of the world are no longer in demand. So let's go back to Economics 101. A price of something is going to be based on supply and demand. So we have now the worldwide demand for dollars decreasing because people don't need to use it to settle their international trade. And we have the Fed quantitative easing increasing the supply at the same time when you increase the supply and decrease the demand what is the natural effect on price it drops
0: it's got to come down it
2: falls the value of the dollar is poised to fall precipitously it may not happen but it might now If you are sitting on dollars, if you are denominating your value in dollars, you may think you're richer when you're not. They call that the wealth effect, right? The whole purpose of the Fed, the quantitative easing, is to pump up people's balance sheets, which is interesting, right? It's interesting. Okay, I got a million-dollar house now. I'm rich. But it's still just a three-bedroom, two-bath house. It was worth 50000 40 years ago when I bought it.
0: And it still buys as many cars or suits or cups of coffee as it would have back then. It's just the dollar denomination has changed.
2: The house hasn't increased in purchasing power. Nope. That's the point. The reality is, is when you do get your hands on dollars... In an environment like this, just like in the Weimar Republic, now I'm not saying we're going to go hyperinflation and we're going to become Zimbabwe. I'm not saying that, although there are people out there that are saying that. Okay, whatever. But the point is the discipline, the concept of not thinking about your net worth, your investments, your values in terms of dollars, but in terms of thinking of accumulating more things that are real and have sustainable value and demand in the marketplace that meet real needs. Obviously, real estate fits into that category. You could make the argument that silver and gold fall into that category. Oil falls into that category, right? Crops, commodities, like, you know, if you could store them, wheat and rye and corn and even pork bellies, right? All that kind of stuff that's kind of, you know, those those famous commodities out there. Those are all things that if you can find a way to be invested in those things in the face of a falling dollar, you'll be better. The key is a lot of those things don't produce income. And the advantage with real estate is that it does produce income. And the other great advantage of real estate is you can finance it, which means that you can pull dollars from the future and bring them into the present. And so if I can go take in an environment where I think the dollars in 20 years are going to be worth less than the dollars today, the more of them I can get to come into the today and buy things of real value, the better off I'm going to be. And so real estate is a perfect vehicle for doing that, but you have to be able to weather the economic storms that come as a result of this. And of course, that's what Peter Schiff has been saying the whole time about how real estate is going to suffer because people aren't going to have jobs. they are not going to be able to pay their mortgages. they are not going to be able to pay their rent. On the macro he's right but again On the local level, less so because people will leave Area A, which is high-priced and expensive, and move to Area B because everybody is going to get up and go to work every day because they have to survive, and they're going to send a portion of their income to providing for housing somewhere because they need a house to live. Your mission as a real estate investor is to try to anticipate where that's most likely to be and be there, own that.
0: This is one of the great things about real estate is we can exploit the differences in markets and properties. Gold is ubiquitous. It, an ounce of gold is an ounce of gold. It doesn't matter whether it came from Canada or China or whoever held it or your uncle had it in his under his mattress. None of that matters. Same thing with stock. A share of Apple is a share of Apple is a share of Apple. The share you own is the same as the share I own. Hopefully, I own a lot of shares. Here's the difference. Real estate is not all the same. When people talk about the asset class of real estate, especially stock investors, There is no two identical properties. Even two homes that are right next to each other built at the same time can be drastically different based on their improvements, their utilities, how close they are to a school district, which way the sun comes in. There's all kinds of things that influence the value of real estate. So we can be smarter as real estate investors than we can as any other type of investor.
2: I think in the electronic age where so much information is available to so many people and these perfect electronic exchanges allow worldwide trade, Speculation to the point where a guy who has a faster internet connection can actually have a competitive edge in a fast trading market. I mean, an edge you're never going to have, right? You're never going to have it as an investor. You are way out of your league trying to compete there. The best thing you can be in is something that moves relatively slowly, that has lots of inefficiencies inherent in it. And I can't think of anything really that is better to exploit what's going on right now. Than real estate.
0: Well, and all hard assets have a different tangibility than any paper asset. And we see the stock market run up, and the stock market has been pretty strong, denominated in dollars. Is the actual underlying value any higher? I would argue it's not, and that the increase in the stock market. Is delusion
2: yeah you know I mean people talk about a bubble we see it come and go and it definitely happened in real estate when the leverage came out you know which was all based on derivatives and that's another important point is when you're investing in any asset that is either a derivative or it's based on a derivative uh, or it's fueled by the the, derivative and again just no investor left behind a derivative isn't something that's real its value is derived from something that's real and if you have derived two or three or four or five or 75 times more value than the underlying asset provides, that's called hyper-leverage, which means if it moves your direction... Wonderful, which is why the banks do it. But if it doesn't move your direction, it's a wipeout. Now, if you can do what they call the Fed put and you can put your bad investment to the Fed and get bailed out, good for you. But I'm guessing if you're listening to this podcast, you're not in that class, right? right? So you can't play that same game that they play. And they entice you to play that game by investing in those types of assets. And and the purpose of this episode is to get you to not think that way. Don't think about, oh, I'm going to buy this. ETF. I'm going to buy this derivative and it's going to go from X to Y and therefore I'm going to make more dollars because you really haven't made anything. I mean, in the temporary, if you get out of those dollars and go hustle off and buy something that's real, yes. Can you speculate in the short term and make a few dollars and then get out and invest in something that's real and build wealth? Yes, absolutely. The question is, is at some point when the music stops, as we found out in 2008, when it stops, it stops fast. And if you're not quick to the exit, Right? In other words, if your investment philosophy is being being faster to the exit than the other guy, then you're doomed, right? I mean, you're in trouble if, if that's your, your thing. It's like, I'm going to get in, I'm going to play, and I'm just going to bet that I can put this to somebody else and get out, that somebody will buy this from me when I'm ready to go liquid. But the problem is when an asset class drops and the gig is up in the information age, everybody knows it, everybody dumps it, and you typically don't get out fast. Your order is not going to get filled as fast as the other guy who has the better internet connection, the better brokerage relationship, the insider information, which theoretically is illegal, but we all know it happens. That's where you really have to depend on your own street smarts, your ability to understand the underlying asset, investing in something that's real, where there are those inherent inefficiencies you can exploit to be able to make real money, and where you can buy something that will build value and hold value relative to whatever's going on in the economy, price up, price down, doesn't matter, over time
0: well and there's the whole thing of manipulation in the markets and we can argue that till the cows come home but when we look at, at an asset that's a real asset we have to understand as investors what drives it and most of the listeners they understand real estate we've in the last few years tried to get our mind around other assets that's why we've talked about oil and gas we've talked about gold and silver we know enough to be dangerous when we come back you're going to meet an absolute expert in the metals who is going to talk about that part of this equation as we look at real assets as investors. We're also going to play Real Estate Trivia, your chance to win a prize next. This is the Real Estate Guys radio program. I'm your host,
3: Robert Helms. Real estate investment advice right in your mailbox. Sign up for the free Real Estate Guys newsletter at realestateguysradio.com.
2: It's safe to say that most of us could make a better cheeseburger than McDonald's. Pull up Google for the best recipe... Buy the meat, fire up the grill, voila! But there are only a handful of people that have created a business model and system like theirs. McDonald's is successful because of their system, not their food. The infinite banking concept is one of the best financial systems that has ever existed. It helped start the Pampered Chef, JCPenney and Disney World, plus thousands of other businesses. Learn more about the infinite banking concept from our friends at Paradigm Life today by visiting www.beyourbank.com or by
1: calling 1-800-870-8670. When it comes to positive cash flow, it's essential to keep expenses and vacancy low. Wouldn't it be great to buy a brand new rental house with a builder's home warranty in a strong jobs market? Now you can. Discover the Build to Rent program from Texas Investor Homes. Buy a brand new rent-ready single-family home in the top job creation market in the U.S., Houston, Texas. Our friend Ron Black has prepared a short webinar with all the details. Send your email request to Rent at realestateguysradio.com, and we'll send you the link. That's Rent at realestateguysradio.com. Or visit the resource section of our website at realestateguysradio.com.
2: Hi, this is Anthony Mercure from Hotel Impossible, and you're listening to The Real Estate Guys.
0: Welcome back to the Real Estate Guys radio program, the number one downloaded podcast on real estate investing. Whether you're listening by podcast or radio or however, thanks for being here today. We're talking about investing in real assets to hedge against all the calamity that is to come, no matter how long that might be. Before we get back to the show, it's time to play Real Estate Trivia, your chance to win a prize by knowing today's Real Estate Trivia question, which of course has something to do with real estate. When you hear the question and think you want to make a guess, send it to us to trivia at realestateguysradio.com, trivia at realestateguysradio.com. RealEstateGuysRadio.com, include your name and your physical mailing address so that you can win the prize, which is a copy of the great book, The Social Capitalist by Josh and Lisa Landon. That can be yours if you know today's real estate trivia question. First, let's look at last week's question. We asked this, name the world's largest island, well, by area, Greenland is the largest island with an area of 836,330 square miles. And it is an island, not a continent. Here's our real estate trivia question for this week Where in America is the National Balloon Museum? Which, of course, chronicles more than 200 years of ballooning history. If you know or want to take a guess, send us your answer to trivia at realestateguysradio.com. Include your name and mailing address so you can get the social capitalist mailed directly to you if you've got the correct answer and you're fast. Where in America is the National Balloon Museum? We're talking about using real assets to hedge your bets against a falling dollar and other calamities. And we're excited to have a quick appearance by a very special guest with a career spanning three decades in the investment markets. Brian London serves as president and CEO of Jefferson Financial, a highly regarded publisher of market analyses and producer of investment-oriented events. Brian also publishes and edits Gold Newsletter, a cornerstone of precious metal advisories since 1971. Brian, welcome to the Real Estate Guys. Hi, Robert. How are you? I'm great. How are you doing today? Doing great. Doing
4: fine, thank you.
0: You know, we're talking about hard assets, and uh, we like to uh, use a little bit of our knowledge about gold and silver, but we don't have anywhere near the knowledge you do. In fact, you've been writing the Gold Newsletter for quite some time, and uh, you really have your mind around this. So uh, we could do a whole show about it, and in in the future, when we're face-to-face, we'd love to do that but today in terms of talking about real assets and kind of the indication of a declining dollar can you speak to how gold investors are tuned in to what the dollar's doing
4: uh, absolutely and you know there there are a lot of widely held fallacies about gold and uh, gold as an inflation hedge and in gold, in relation to the dollar, and one of the, the primary ways that people think wrongly about this is they look at the dollar's value and they look at the dollar index, which just gauges the uh, the U.S. dollar against some of its trading partners. In other words, other currencies. And what's happening today, and really what's been happening for years now, is that all of the major world currencies have been inflating, on a monetary sense. In other words, they have been uh, creating or printing more fiat currencies and and what gold is gold is a hedge against this monetary inflation against the fact that there are so many other dollars in euros in yen that are being created by these governments to uh, to fund and to depreciate away the the great debts that they've run up and and gold itself is a uh, commodity it's the the single most important monetary commodity in in world history in, in human history And it cannot be created in the same way that currencies can be created. More currencies, more dollars can be created out of thin air. So therefore, it it acts as a natural hedge against this monetary inflation, which, by the way, does not always result or directly result in uh, retail price inflation, which is what a lot of people uh, watch. Uh, more closely and I'm more familiar with
0: well, I think you bring up a great point it 's always in relation, something is valued in relation to something else, and the very premise of gold is that it holds its value, its utility, and that over time, what happens is against other asset classes and certainly against fiat currencies, the amount of currency it takes to buy say an ounce of gold changes. But the gold didn't change.
4: Exactly. And that fluctuates a a good deal over short periods of time. I mean, this year we saw gold, as measured in U.S. dollars, drop a good deal in price, especially this spring, when it became uh, apparent or it seemed that the Federal Reserve was going to curtail its quantitative easing policies or taper those back. Uh, Now, that hasn't happened yet. And, and, you know, there are a number of, of views that it'll be pushed back a little bit further Than most people think right now. But it was this, and it has been this printing of money, this quantitative easing by the Fed that has been the the primary driver of gold prices over the short term, uh, and especially in the West. So it seems as though
0: a lot of people are surprised that gold has not bounced back, if you will. And I know you obviously study this. And it's not as simple as just saying, well, when there's this many dollars, gold is worth this. There's so many more nuances to the exchange and, and the type of investment that is and whether it's a fear or a greed-based trade or any of that. So, you know, you're out there and you see these people that say gold will eventually be $5,000, 10000 20000 which doesn't mean gold is, again, worth anymore. It means that the dollar or whatever you're valuing it against is, is worth uh, less than that. Where are we in the grand scheme of things if we look at the relatively lowered value of gold compared to dollars today?
4: Well, you have to put aside the short-term fluctuations and look at the big picture. And what's happened, uh, and this is a really a, a large-scale, long-term secular trend, where we've had the economies of the West inflated by monetary influences. It, it started in the late 90s, you know, when Greenspan started, first started uh, talking about the irrational exuberance. And Bernanke uh, continued this. And what's happened is whenever the economy has started a cyclical downturn, the Federal Reserve has come in to try and cushion that or prevent that or prevent all the interconnected uh, results where you you put the whole financial system at risk and has really flooded the market with more and more money, lowered interest rates, begun this quantitative easing. And at the same time, what's happened in in all the Western economies, in Europe as well as the United States, is that uh, the, the, the sovereign debts have been escalating ever, ever higher. And we've reached the point now where, on the one hand, the economies are absolutely addicted to this monetary influence and and the stream of of more easy money. On the other hand, the debts have grown so large that the economies can't grow their way out of them. It's politically and mathematically impossible to cut budgets enough to, uh, to, to reduce the debts. And we have to accept the fact that going forward there has to be some level, some significant level of currency depreciation which in turn reduces the value of those debts. In other words, the debts are lowered because you're paying them back with cheaper currencies, with cheaper dollars. And, and that's been the, uh, the age-old way of handling these debts uh, throughout human history.
0: That is such a good point because, again, when you step back and think long-term, what's happened over time? That exact thing, more and more fiat currency gets printed, so what it will buy is less and less. Then you take something like gold and see that over time its value denominated in the currencies goes up and up and up with these short term fluctuations. but the trend line is crystal clear isn't it
4: exactly you know it's it's not really a one to one relationship to any decimal points where you can say well there's If there's another billion dollars printed, then gold should go up this much in in relation. Uh, Gold is a measure of the the public's concern about the rate of increase in in the currency. In some cases, as long as the public isn't concerned and as long as the rate of increase in currencies and or the rate of increase in debts is at a uh, a reasonable rate or there's no uh, rapid acceleration in those rates and the public really doesn't worry about it, and gold just sits there as a long-term insurance policy. But when these rates of increase accelerate or or the public gets concerned, then they rush into gold as protection, and the price makes up for, uh, you know, bridges that gap and makes up for lost time, as it were. If you look at it from that standpoint and you look at at the long-term trends of money creation and debt creation, it seems absolutely inevitable that gold prices are going up over the longer term.
0: Now, of course, we're talking today about real assets in general. We like real estate for a lot of reasons. There's certainly tax incentive, there's leverage, there's cash flow. Gold doesn't have those things, but what gold has is the stability. And I think the other misnomer out there, people say, well, I invest in gold. I don't know that I see gold as an investment as much as I see it as a, a store of value. How do you Talk about the idea of investing in gold.
4: Yeah, as a store of value or an insurance policy against uh, uh, things going wrong and in uh, really human nature in government, that the government will inevitably and inexorably depreciate the currency. It's just the way it happens at varying rates over time. So, so yes, it, I, I see a lot of similarities between real estate and gold investing you can look at gold as an insurance policy, something you can buy and put away and forget. Uh of course, if you're a more active investor, there are ways to invest and trade in gold over the shorter term. And of course, real estate is is a good a great a wonderful hedge against inflation and and long-term debasement of uh the currency, but it does take some education as you know. Yeah, it takes some active management. And there are a lot of other benefits to it that gold doesn't offer. So you know it's not a neither or type of a uh calculation it's it's just a broad mix or looking at the long-term trends and figuring out the best way to protect yourself.
0: All right. Well, this is great stuff, Brian. We certainly appreciate uh, your insight. You can find out more if you go to goldnewsletter.com about uh, the great work that Brian does. And he's got even a bigger picture than that. We come back. We're going to tell you about an amazing conference coming out that uh, you're going to want to be at because I know the Real Estate Guys are going to be there. and We'll talk about that when we come back. Brian, thanks so much for your time today. Thank you. You're tuned to the Real Estate
3: Guys radio program. I'm your host, Robert Hell. Need help with your real estate investment portfolio? Check out the resources page at realestateguysradio.com.
5: Do you know what city was ranked number 1 on Clear Capital's list of highest performing metro markets just this February? It was Atlanta, Georgia. Hey, this is Ken Corsini with Georgia Residential Partners. If you haven't heard, Atlanta has just begun an incredible road to recovering real estate values with an unprecedented demand from investors and a shrinking supply of inventory, properties in the Atlanta market are poised for tremendous growth over the next few years. At Georgia Residential Partners, our mission is to help as many investors as possible buy turnkey cash-flowing properties in the Atlanta metro area with as little headache as possible. With conventional and non-conventional financing available, we can help just about any investor in any number of situations buy residential properties in this market. Check us out online at gainvesting.com or call our office It's 770-924-5450. Don't let this window of opportunity pass
2: you by. Hi, this is Garrett Sutton, Rich Dad's advisor. Remember, equity happens, and you're listening to The Real Estate Guys. Welcome back to the Real Estate Guys
0: radio program. Thanks for tuning into the show. And boy, your head is spinning. I know mine is. It's a lot to think about values and assets and gold and real estate and all that kind of stuff. But uh, certainly uh, great to get some uh, input from uh, Brian.
2: Yeah, I think it's really only a lot to get your mind around because you're so conditioned to denominate value in terms of dollars.
0: That's it. I mean, back to what we did on the the summit a few years back, that whole exchanging for value, people would always want to come back to dollars. Well, what's that worth in dollars? It's not about that. You remove... That it becomes really freeing. That's beyond the discussion today. But you know, what's interesting is Brian's approach. And again, this is a guy that's written a gold newsletter, obviously the gold standard in gold newsletters, really, yeah. and been part of an investment group, an educational group, and analysis group for a lot, a lot of years, right? who sees gold for exactly what it is.
2: Yeah, I mean, he's a very well-connected guy. I know for the last several years that we've really been working on expanding our personal network and the people we hang out and the people who put ideas in our head and the people we get a chance to talk with. And Brian is a guy that is in that circle, and so you know a lot of his ideas and opinions and uh, philosophies have grown out of rubbing his brain against other people's brains. And you know the thing that I he said that I really liked was this notion that gold is an insurance policy. Uh, you know when you guys were talking about the difference between it being an you know an investment, uh, certainly it has some things similar to real estate because it's real, it's tangible. It you know the, not necessarily serves a basic human need, but there's a basic function. It's is always historically performed within society. And it's where people, the most desperate of times, return back to having a store of value. And I think that if you look at what's going on around the world, we potentially are sailing into some pretty troublesome times. So the world may not quite be open to returning to gold, but they're beginning to. And so that's interesting. But for a real estate investor, you know, we talk about this all the time. You've got this float. You've got your, your deposits that have come in with your, uh, units. You've got your reserves, your contingency reserves. You've got your operating capital. You have the money coming in that sits in your checking account for 30 days before it goes back out again. And when you look at that total amount of liquid, liquid dollars that you have on hand at all times and say, okay, if I go back in the last two years, I've always had a minimum 150,000. I've never had less than 60. Then you might be able to pretty reasonably take Take forty or fifty thousand dollars and divest yourself from dollars and buy that insurance policy of gold and let it sit there. It's highly liquid. It is not going to move with the dollar, and that's the whole purpose.
0: A lot more liquid than real estate.
2: Yes, absolutely. You can
0: sell gold immediately, and depending on what format you take it and so forth, it may be more or less liquid. But you can quickly convert that back to whatever currency you you want. I mean, not every single currency, but virtually a choice of what you convert gold to.
2: Well, and you also presumably would be able to trade it directly for a good or service in the event that a currency completely failed. So it's an insurance policy. I mean, you buy insurance policies to hedge against catastrophic events. You know, I used to sell life insurance. It was no fun sitting across the kitchen table from somebody with his wife there talking about the notion that someday you might drop dead and who's going to take care of her. Right. That's not a fun conversation, right. but it's a real conversation that people have to have. It's no different than elder planning. You know, dad, you're, you know, 80 years old and you're not always going to be able to live independently. And we need to think about what that looks like. And nobody wants to have that conversation. God bless the salespeople who go into the marketplace and force the, the conversation, right? Those are conversations that have to be had. Responsible people have those conversations. You may never get cancer. I hope you don't. But if you do, it's a good idea to have an insurance policy. I hope you never get in an accident. But you might. Responsible people hedge. And we're seeing there's plenty of evidence In the mainstream news and just in the economic indicators that are available for every Tom, Dick and Harry out there who's even a casual observer to say there is a possibility, if not a probability, that the currencies are going to continue to struggle and perhaps some important currencies, the US currency in particular, having enjoyed this exclusive status for 50 years and On Maybe the verge of losing that exclusive status when you have the economic superpower of China seemingly aggressively moving towards supplanting the dollar. You know, people say, oh, they wouldn't do that because it's not in their best interest. Okay, maybe they won't, but they might. The things they've done tell us that there is a potential move out there. Wouldn't it be prudent to have a little insurance in your portfolio? You say, oh, but what if I buy gold and it goes down? Down in terms of what? Dollars? Maybe. You know, so maybe you could have bought more dollars with it, but it's not going to lose. I mean, gold unlikely is going to go to zero. Your stock might do that. I still have my shares of mortgage.com, which is worthless. (laughs) It's worthless. (laughs) It's worth nothing. It went down to zero because it was a paper asset. There was nothing tangible underneath it. That's a concept of having something that's real. If I buy a property, sure, the house could burn down and whatever. But you know what? The dirt is probably always going to be worth something. And so the, the, the point of all this is rather than having major portions of your wealth in paper assets, you want to have a chunk of it in real assets, real estate that produces real income. And the definition of real income is a real human being gets up every day and goes out and does real work and sends you a portion of their income because they need a place to live. And that's not going to go away. So whether they get paid $100,000 a year, a million dollars a year or $10 a year, you're going to get a portion of it. And that portion you get is going to have relative value to whatever else is going on, no matter how you denominate it in terms of dollars. The little portion of gold in your portfolio could ultimately be worth more than the 70% of dollars that you're holding, and that's the whole reason you buy it. We talk about oil as an opportunity to create cash flow on a commodity and to be first in line when the... Inflation comes rather than being at the back end. Inflation takes a long time to make its way to wages and ultimately to rents, but it hits oil right away. So you can kind of put all these things together, which is this concept we call real asset investing into a portfolio to hedge when the currency future is uncertain. Well,
0: and the idea of producing more than you consume and then taking the difference and instead of saving it in dollars, putting it places that aren't currency when robert kiyosaki says savers are losers he's not down on the idea of living below your means he's down on the idea of holding fiat currency the reason he likes apartment buildings is he likes the debt and that debt is going to be paid back when dollars are worth less in the future which is great for him long-term, but also tenants wake up every single day, go to work, to your point, and pay in dollars that he can quickly convert to more real estate, to oil and gas, or to gold.
2: And as we've said forever, the powers that be, political powers, economic powers, are almost always going to pony up whatever they have to in order to try to preserve real estate because it is such a core essential human Need And that's not going to change, right? That's not going to change anytime soon. So all the things we've talked about for the last 15 years, all remain true, even though we've been through these various economic cycles and ups and downs. At the end of the day, people still get up every day, they go make money, they pay a portion of their money towards their housing, they always will, it will always be a top priority. And when bad things happen in that sector, The powers that be again governments industry and the banks are are generally going to step up and do everything they possibly can to try to save or stimulate or preserve that area of uh, the economy and so when you look at that in terms of hedging in uncertainty hedging isn't hiding those are different things hedging is a proactive position that you take in order to protect yourself hiding is where you hunker down and wait till the storm blows over But, you know, you may come out of the ground, out of the bomb shelter and open up your bank account or your safe deposit box and find out all those dollars you hoarded in there aren't worth anything anymore. And that's really the concept behind real asset investing and why it's important in an economic cycle like this one.
0: Well, speaking of investing, the other thing that Brian does is he hosts the annual New Orleans Investment Conference. It's the oldest and most respective investment event in the country. This is the 39th year, I believe, and it's happening in the wonderful, fun city of New Orleans. Russ and I are going to be there. We're doing a pre-conference session on diversifying with international investing, getting offshore with real estate. We're also going to do a, another session on real estate investing and hedging, and so we'd love to have you come on out to that the conference. You can find all the details on our website at realestateguysradio.com. Click on Events, and you'll see the New Orleans Investment Conference. Always a good time. Peter Schiff will be there. Mark Skousen will be there. A lot of great folks will be there. Old we'll home week of, for us. Uh, old home week, a lot of fun uh, conversation. And if you want to spend a week getting your mind around this stuff, if you want to hang out with guys who know gold, silver, oil, gas, real estate, sales, Come on the 12th Annual Investor Summit at Sea. It takes place in March of 2014. Tom Hopkins is going to be there. Ken McElroy, the Rich Dad Advisor for Real Estate, is going to be there. Andy Tanner is going to teach us about technical analysis. Peter Schiff will be back for the second year. And one of our heroes, Tom Hopkins, and a whole lot more faculty will be there. Plus, you'll be there if you know what's good for you. It's all on our website at realestateguysradio.com, the 12th Annual Investor Summit at Sea. Between now and next week, your mission is to go out there and make some real equity happen.
3: This episode of the Real Estate Guys radio show is brought to you by Paradigm Life, powerful cash management strategies using life insurance. Learn more at beyourbank.com. Mid-South Home Buyers, low-cost, turnkey cash flow properties in Memphis, Tennessee. Corporate Direct, asset protection strategies for real estate investors from attorney and rich dad advisor Garrett Sutton.